0: Hey everyone, this is Frank and I am going to be reading the Divine Comedy and I'm just going to read through it and give my thoughts. So it's going to kind of come out spontaneous and I'm just trying to explore this because I believe it's something to deal with the unconscious and Dante's journey not to a physical hell but through this kind of psychological hell and more so kind of Jungian terms, Carl Jung. So let's start off with the Divine Comedy, Hell Canto One. In the midway of this our mortal life so I'll stop there a um, mortal life midway so this is like his midlife crisis you know and this is a huge psychological transformational period for many men and many even women during the menopause and there's this kind of shift in consciousness and it's kind of all rushes into you this flood of unconscious contents and a lot of it is kind of alarming and makes people kind of question for the first time like what they're doing with their lives because now it's like okay well I'm nearing my death. I've been in this world for quite some time. It's like, what am I actually doing? Who am I? All these questions start popping up and arising, and so this is where Dante is in his life. And I think, if I'm correct, he wrote this around in his forties. So, in the midway of this, more in the midway of this, our mortal life, I found me in a gloomy wood, astray, gone from the path direct. So here it is again. He's in this kind of. This wood, this gloomy, it's all gloomy, he's kind of lost in the forest of life, and he's gone from the direct path. So um, let's just continue because I think it kind of elaborates a little more, and even to tell it were no easy task. How savage, wild that forest, how robust and rough its growth, which to remember only my dismay, renews, and bitterness not far from death. Yet to discourse of what their good befell, all else I will. Relate discovered there. So let's break this down again. So he's halfway through his life. He's realizing that he's somewhere caught in the forest. It's like when you look around and you're lost. Like and you're thinking, what am I doing with my life? This is Dante right now while he's in the woods. He's astray. He's gone astray. He's gone off the path. Whatever that path may be, which many of us have. Um, I know I have them, even though I'm not at my midway point of life. But existential crises where you're just like, I don't know where I'm at. It feels like you're lost in the forest and you don't even know how he got there. And this is him, he's like awakening. It's like he's been kind of in a daze. And now he's wake, awakening his midlife crisis and he's trying to think, how'd I even get here? And he starts looking back in life. It was no to... And even to tell it were no easy task, how savage wild that forest. So it's like, it's, the way to that life has been kind of rough. And when he remembers it he said which to remember only is my dismay my dismay renews so it's like when you look back in your life you feel remorseful sometimes or regretful about certain things that still have like a life to them this energy to them which is odd in a sense because the past isn't really the past it's constantly in the present because you're constantly bringing it back to life and those feelings are still charged with energy these memories even though the memories may be skewed, that feeling is still there, that energy is still there, so it still kind of haunts you like these scepters. And I'm sure if you can think about embarrassing moments in your life or moments that you, you know, regret and you think about them and they still feel like, you still feel something, and it could put you down or it could put you up either way, vice versa. So let's go back to Dante here. And bitterness not far from death. So it's almost as bad as death he's saying, like when he has dismayed so bad, that it's not too far from death. And to discourse, to talk of what their good befell. All else that will I relate discovered there. How first I entered it, I scarce can say. So once again, how did I even get to this woods? I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say, I have no words. Because I don't know how I got here. And I, once again, this is something I feel like, if you haven't experienced this, you will inevitably experience this, unless you're lucky. Or just completely like ignorant and blissful your whole life But there's gonna be a time where you just kind of wake up to life and you think where the hell am I? How the hell did I get here? Hence hell <laughs> um, And then such sleepy dullness in that instant weighed my senses down So he kind of had this you know, there's you kind of walk through life sometimes Half-conscious and sleep you kind of just go through the motions like a robot automaton and though you may despise your life you just kind of go through it and next thing you know the years have passed and you're like I don't even How did everything just kind of Pass me by and here I am and it really dulls your senses you become a kind of lifeless And this is where Dante is feeling where the sleeplessness and some can even equate it to a spiritual drowsiness Which was induced by sin in terms of a, a more religious kind of perspective it's like he you know lived this kind of wildlife in the forest robust thinking about it makes him feel like in dismay because he knows all the mistakes he made and then during that time he kind of dulled his senses and became blind to his own actions and immoral deeds some could think of that if you're looking at religious point of view but i'm i'm looking at at it more in that terms of where you don't have to be religious and you just you still feel that kind of uh dullness and when you just kind of walk through life and you think why the why am i doing the things i'm doing where how did i get here And I didn't even seem to pay attention to it. And it's because, like, your senses, you're kind of sleepwalking through life. And this is where Dante's realizing it. So let's return back to the original paragraph. Canto 1, verse 10. How first I entered it, I scarce can say. Such sleepy dullness in that instant weighed my senses down when the true path I left. So... This is why people think that I mean Dante was re- religious and this is why some think it is religious because there is a true path. But even though you don't have to be religious, you can have a spiritual path, a spiritual journey to the higher self, if you're talking still like in Jungian terms. And what, the minute he left that path, he fell into sin, fell in touch with himself and became dull to everything. But when a mountain's foot I reached, where it closed the valley, valley that had pierced my heart with dread, so he reached the mountain's foot the mountain he looked up where he had to ascend and then you people talk about walking on the valley of death you know so he's on this valley and he looked up pierced his heart with dread because you know looking up seeing that ascent that that journey is going to have to make in order to strive towards his higher self to get to this kind of higher level of consciousness and it's not an easy journey so i looked aloft saw his shoulders broad, already vested with that planet's beam. And here he's talking about the sun, in a symbolical sense. Who leads all wanderers safe through every way. Then was a little respite to the fear, that in my heart's recesses deep had lain. All of that night, so pitifully passed, and as a man with difficult short breath, So here, let's just stop a little before I get too ahead of of myself. So, he saw the sun, which typically is the light in a way, if you really think about the sun. People associate even Jesus Christ with the sun and all these gods, old, you know, pagan gods. A lot of people worshipped a sun. Because it leads you safely, because it gives you light, it's a light. Your light the inner tunnel. So here it is, the light that's helping him. It's giving him a little bit of relief from the fear he's feeling. And he, he, it's going back to his past in a way of all that night. So this is like during those dark moments, those dark times in life we all feel. He still had that sun, aka that light in him. That was still, or the flame if you want to say, it, that eternal flame. That's a part of the self that's still flickers and guides you even during your darkest of moments and darkest of times. It's, some can equated to God, and this is what Dante's talking about when he's talking about the sun, so. Let's return. All, of the, all of that night so pitifully passed, and as a man with difficult short breath, this is his, talking about his age now, he's forespent with toiling, scaped from sea to shore, turns to the perilous wide waste, and stands at gaze. So once again, his whole life is working, he's tired, he's old. He knows that there's a dangerous journey ahead of him. And he stands at Gaze, he stands at the mountain, he sees it and he's kind of shocked, he's kind of nervous, he's kind of worried. He's already feeling exhausted looking at it. And he hasn't even started the journey. And he's like, I know this is going to be tough, especially someone at my age during all this time. This hard work I've already put in my body's drained, I'm spiritually drained, I'm mentally drained, etc., etc. He doesn't even know where to start, really. Even so, so let's go right back. So, turns to the perilous wide waste and stands at gaze. Even so my spirit, that yet felled, struggling with terror, turned to the views, turned to view the straits, and none hath passed and lived. So this is interesting because he's he's saying he's struggling with terror as he looks at this mountain passes and he turns to view it and he's saying none have passed this part and lived so some could think of this almost like a psychological journey or even a trip where he's about to get ready to go to the underworld let's say or sent to this other consciousness in a way and there's always these trips to the underworld and what it kind of relates to in Jungian terms is a trip into the unconscious if you ever see any kind of films or Archetypal stories are always going down to the underworld because it's going deep into your own conscious and then coming back up and you bring it in This is the whole journey too. and Dante's divine comedy goes through hell deep unconscious The lowest parts of himself in the psychological mind his psyche or the human psyche or the collective psyche or something outside of it And then he starts rising up to purgatory, you know before reaching paradise and paradise is the high ideal and we'll eventually get there so he's traveling and then usually they bring something with them and they're changed some, most, sometimes physically, but definitely psychologically. And there's something about them, their energy. So anyways, My weary frame, after short pause, recomforted. Again, I journeyed on over that lonely steep. So he took a quick break, before he went back and tried to walk over that steep by himself. Lonely steep. It's a lonely journey to go up there. and. I, I tend to, I could be wrong, once again, I'm not an expert at this, but I, I'm trying to just think about this spontaneously without looking too much into it at the moment and just see what initially comes up. One of the things that comes up is, the, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the exact verse, but there's a verse in the Bible where Jesus mentions that the path to heaven or through to him is like trying to go through the eye of a camel while you know the gates of hell are as wide as like an ocean or something like anyone can get through but if you're trying to get to this other path it's very lonely it's very difficult and this is kind of what i'm associating this with Dante when he talks about a lonely journey up a steep up a hill it's hard it's hard work and it's lonely most people are going to be this because it's challenging it's challenging to be any kind of religious um idea if you're not religious but you want to hold yourself to a higher standard and have values and ideals and it's not a, a judgment on anyone but it's easier to like given to your desires, your impulses, let's say your sin versus trying to Discipline yourself and resist those things. It's challenging. It's very challenging So we we'll get to this and you'll see what starts happening um, Let's go back to divine, the divine comedy My weary frame, my weary frame after short pause recomforted. again. I journeyed on over that lonely steep the hinder foot still firmer scarce the ascent began, when lo, a panther, nimble, light, covered with speckled skin, appeared. So this is the. This is kind of interesting because most the the animals that are going to appear, tons of people have different interpretations. So I'm just going to give my own. You can probably think of them yourselves, but at the end of the day, they are symbolizing certain. You know beasts these impulses these instincts, these desires that are within us, and we can associate them to us like beastly impulses, beastly pleasures and desires that you know have their way with us, so he's barely starting the ascent when suddenly a panther appears, and then the panther can is often referred to as you know different kinds of worldly pleasures and Let's just continue right now. So just think it put that in mind. So a panther, nimble, light, and covered with speckled skin, appeared, nor when it saw me, vanished, rather strove to check my onward going, that oft times with purpose to retrace my steps I turned. So instead of vanishing, it was checking on him constantly. And He's talking about, he turned around, he keeps going back to it. Like he's starting to make that journey up the hill and doing the right thing. And then worldly pleasures, let's go with that kind of allegory, pulls him back. And I think that always happens with many of us. We start, I know for me, I, I can only speak for myself, but you can associate whatever you guys are doing. But for instance, me personally, I'm going to be talking more in religious terms, so... You can apply this to anything but religiously religious wise let's say i'm trying to be more mm, saintly or follow the the works and ideas of jesus and let's say the judeo-christian values where i'm trying to do the right thing and i'm making progress and something as simple as let's say masturbation pornography i'll i'll go and go, or even let's just stick with one before it gets too complicated. And I'll, I'm doing great for about like you know a week or so, sometimes even more. And then the panther, let's say that the beast, that impulse starts creeping around and starts peeking in your psyche, and you start getting these images and these impulses, these and desires, and you're trying to fight it. And a lot of times you end up res- not uh, resisting and just giving in, and then you like start back down, and you go back down the hill, and then you try again, and then go back again. And this is kind of what's happening with Dante He's starting to go up that hill. Then he turns back around, goes up, and then the panther kind of forced him to turn back around. So let's get back to Dante Inferno. The hour was morning's prime. And on his way, aloft the sun ascended with those stars. So this is just a quick note on this. This is kind of ancient tradition. The world was created in spring when the sun was in the constellation of Aries during the time of Dante. Or at least that that's what they thought. So the hour is morning's prime and on his way, aloft the sun ascended with those, ma- those stars. That with him rose, when love divine first moved those, its fair works. So, I think this is kind of an idea about the world. I may be wrong, I'm just trying to figure this out, let's see. So the hour is morning's prime, the start of the day. And the sun came up with the stars, and with him rose divine love. And it moved those, it's fair work, so this is kind of like an allegory to life once again, or to God and the Creator. So, that with joyous hope, all things conspired to fill me. The gay skin of that swift animal, the matin dawn and the sweet season. Soon that joy was chased. So, it was like once again the beginning, he felt great, everything moved, divine love moved in him, he felt joy, he felt happy, Didn't even mind minded animal. But that joy was gone, and my new dread succeeded when in view. So, this is talking about Dante's once I got to the end of it Dante has overcome that Beast whatever that one specifically is it's referred to so many different things. So He got over that beast He was able to incorporate it, you know, they gave this the happy skin of that swift animal the dawn the sweet it, The hope filled him up divine love So he felt God's love that helped him ascend that helped him get past that animal and just when he thought he was everything was good, everything was happy. The new dread succeeded and in view came a lion. And lions usually represented with pride. So it's almost as if he got over these pleasures but then became very prideful in himself. And now this new beast was starting to haunt him and take hold of him. So let's get back to that. Soon that joy was chased and by new dread succeeded when in view a lion came against me as it appeared with his head held aloft and hunger mad. That even the air was fear-struck. So here you go. The pride is there, and he's going to have to face that. But if that wasn't worse, or wasn't bad enough, a she-wolf was at his heels, who, in her leanness, seemed full of all wants, and many a land hath made disconsolate. Air now. Sorry if I didn't get that right, but she-wolf is. And leanness is kind of a saying, this kind of satiation, this desire, this need to constantly get filled up. And this is associated with like lust. Because you have a lust for various things, whether it be sex or food or money. It's just like you never have enough. You're constantly feeling lean and starved. And you keep filling yourself. So he has pride and he has a she-wolf that are two associated with one another. That's difficult, obviously, after he just passed his first beast, which was something that seemed rather simple or it seemed daunting at the time. Now, these are far more dangerous kind of creatures and dangerous, so let's say, vices that really get most people. So now this is the next step, which is going to be interesting for him. So here he goes again. So a she-wolf was at his heels, who in her leanness seemed full of all wants. And many a land hath made disconsolate here now. She, with such fear, overwhelmed me. At sight of her, appalled. That of the height, all hope I lost. So, disconsolate is unhappy. It's without comfort. It's people and lands, and this is it's someone who's full of all wants. And. The reason this is, this does is that you, when you want so much, you, you're tempted and no matter how much you get, if you're constantly in this desire, this need for want, want, want more and more and more and more and more, you're you're constantly restless, you're out without comfort, you're unhappy and it ruins people and lands, people fall into decadence, depression. This is the thing that he is experiencing. So his fear It's overwhelming him. So he wants more and he's prideful now. As one who, with his gain elated, sees the time when all unwares is gone, he inwardly mourns with heart-gripping anguish. Such was I, haunted by that fell beast, never at peace. So, this is kind of for Dante too. So he got past the first party, became prideful. He became he wanted more and more kind of extreme wealth. I mean, greed, lust, etc. And no matter how much he could gain over time, it just kind of disappears. It's never enough. And Dante describes as a heart gripping anguish. And then he was haunted by that beast, never at peace. So he's worried um, because well, not of course he's worried now, but you're haunted by that. It is constantly forcing you to want more and more and more, and you're never satisfied and never at peace, like it says. And who coming over against me by degrees, impelled me where the sun is silence rest? Who coming over against me, never at peace, who coming over against me by degrees, Impelled by degrees impelled me where the sun is silence rest? So, it almost led him into darkness. This beast. Let's continue with Dante. While to the lower space with backward step I fell, I can discern the form of one whose voice seemed faint through long disuse of speech. When him in that great desert I espied, Have mercy on me, I cried aloud. Spirit or living man, whatever thou be. So this is quite interesting, but I'm pretty sure this is when he first meets Virgil. So he was overcome, he's haunted by the beast, that's the she-wolf, and then pride as well, which led him to darkness, and then he fell back, backwards step, so he fell into darkness fell into deep into his unconscious, his shadow, let's say and then while when he fell there then he finally found someone, a spirit guide of a, a, a way that tried to help him out when he was in that great desert. And there's always this allegory of the desert. You could think of people wandering in the desert as the Moses and the Israelites and there's a lot of other as- examples in religious texts and myth- mythology where the desert is kind of like this place where in, in the psyche, and it's always before a transformation. It's like this toil that you have to go through, and then you're kind of guided out of the desert into a promised land. So here he is, in a dark desert, and he's finding a mentor to try to lead him out. But he has to go through hell first in order to get to heaven. So let's get back to it. He answered, "Now not man, man once I was, and born of Lombard parents, Montuans both by country, when the power of Julius yet was fiercely." was scarcely firm at Rome, my life was passed beneath the mild Augustus in the time of fabled deities and false So he's just kind of given a backstory of who he is, and where he was born, when he was about during the time of Julius, Caesar, and then it was when the start of Augustus's reign was when he was about to be, you know the end of his life. And then of fable, deities and false, so famous gods and false gods during that time. A bard was I, and made Enki, as upright son, the subject of my song, who came from Troy. When the flames preyed on Ilium's haughty towers, But thou say, wherefore, to such perils pass, returnest thou? Wherefore, not this pleasant mount, ascendest cause and source of all delight? So once again, just kind of give him who he's, what he is, who he's about, where he came from. And art thou then that Virgil, that wellspring, from which such copious floods of eloquence have issued. And here's Dante playing the guessing game, saying, aren't you Virgil? You know, all that eloquence just flows out, and we're just kind of saying, oh yeah, drink from the the copious waters of eloquence, of Virgil. I with front abashed, replied, glory and light of all the tuneful train. May it avail me that I long with zeal, have sought thy volume, and with love immense, have conned it over, my master thou and my guide. Here's Dante's like fanboying out, if you just met your your favorite person, look up to your ideal. Whether it be from, like, you can meet them now or in the past and you think, wow, you know, he's geeking out like, oh my gosh, it's you. I love you so much. I can't get enough. You're you're the master. Please be my guide. Thou he from whom alone I have derived that style, which for its beauty and to fame exalts me. And here he's like, I've copied your style. You've inspired me. Your, you know, your style, the way you wrote brought me to where I'm at now. See the beast from whom I, whom I fled. Oh, save me from her, thou illustrious sage. So now after he's praising him, he's like, Oh, by the way, I have this beast that's chasing me. Please help me out. So he, this is now he's asking his mentor to help him to defeat this certain you know, desire, this beast. He's describing her to be the she-wolf when it it's these impulses, these desires. Lust, avarice, greed, and always wanting more. The she-wolf. For every vein and pulse throughout my frame, she hath made me tremble. He soon as he saw that I was weeping, answered, Now he's crying like, I can't do it. I I can't do it alone anymore. I need help. I need assistance. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get past this. But please, I feel like you know how, because you're Virgil. You're the man. You're the master. And so here's... He Here's Virgil talking. He soon as he saw that, when he saw Dante crying, he's like, All right, I guess I better talk before this guy won't. If I don't talk, he'll just keep crying. Thou must needs another way pursue if thou wouldst escape from out that savage wilderness. So he's saying you must need another way if you were to escape from the wilderness. You need another way to escape from the wilderness. This beast at whom thou criest, so she, wolf, who he's crying about, her way will suffer none to pass, and no less hindrance makes than death. So, in a way, it's saying that. Dante has to admit his sins. I know that sounds weird, but it's like. If you want to escape from out of this, you must see the hideousness of sin and its inevitable consequences, and then climb the mount of purgation before you can approach the throne of God. So, a beast whom thou criest, her way will suffer none to pass, and no less hindrance makes than death. So bad and so accursed in her kind. The never sated is her ravenous will. Still, after food, more craving than before. He's telling him more about what the she, he knows about the she wolf. She's bad. She's cursed. She's never sated. She's never satiated. She just constantly wants more. The willpower she has is strong. It takes a hold of so many people. Even after eating more, eating, it craves even more than before. It just keeps wanting more and more and more. And I think we all know this. Well, maybe not know this feels, but we know of these people. You know, the ones we typically associate with people who are very wealthy, for instance, that they accumulate so much money, but they just keep wanting more and more. Nothing's really making them happy. The more money they accumulate, the more they want. And it's just like this constant striving towards kind of nothingness. This is something Dante's caught in. and Virgil's trying to help him out. To many an animal and wedlock vile. She fastens. So to many, she's married. She fastens herself, she attaches herself to so many people and shall yet to many more. So you're saying she's already been, she's already attached, married herself to so many people. So many people are married to the she-wolf. They can't get rid of her and she's going to accumulate more spouses. (laughs) If we stay with that kind of allegory, is doing this metaphor. Until that greyhound come who shall destroy her with sharp pain. Now the greyhound is kind of interesting. Because the greyhounds, a lot of different things. Uh, and when you look at, so the greyhounds, interesting. They have people think it's a certain kind of person, but others have said like it could be you know an angel or even Jesus. Because it, it says they're not destroyed through anything man-made, but through love, wisdom, and virtue. And the greyhound was often used as an emblem, actually, in tombs at the feet of effigies of gentlemen, symbolizing the knightly virtues, which was faith, and then sometimes hunting, and then the aristocratic way of life. But faith. So, you, if it's we're using the idea of faith, which is preached in the Bible, through by God and Jesus to have faith, have faith, and all the prophets. So, once you have faith who shall destroy her with sharp pain and you have faith and let's say in a higher power of the light whatever it may be your religious beliefs or just have faith that you're going to get past or i don't know what your religious beliefs are if you have any or spiritual beliefs and so this is that greyhound who destroys the she-wolf so let's go back to that verse until that greyhound come who shall destroy her with sharp pain he will not life support by earth nor its base metals but by love Wisdom and virtue, and his land shall be the land twixt either Feltro. I don't know what Feltro is. I'm sorry about that. But here it's saying, you're not, not going to. The Greyhound supports you through love, wisdom, and virtue, and not through base metals, just anything of the earth. It's not. Its possessions are not going to make you happy and fulfilled. It's these kind of higher virtues that are really going to allow you to defeat the She Wolf which is, you know, the lower impulses, his lower desires. In his might shall safety to Itala, Italia's plains arise, for whose fair realm Camilla, Virgin peer, Nysus, Eurelius, Turnus fell. Uh, he with incessant chase through every town shall worry until he to hell at length restore her, thence by envy first let loose. I, for thy profit, pondering now devise. So. So, I'm still trying to think about this kind of idea of the greyhound. So it's kind of a, a learning wisdom through compassion. Which is a way to kill, let's say, if you think of psychological terms or occult terms, it's kind of to get rid of the sorcery of a high priestess who's known as a she-wolf. And that's what Jesus teaches, compassion. And through compassion you learn wisdom and faith and all these different things. Because you don't have to be have wealth, you don't have to have intelligence to be compassionate. You don't have many skills but through compassion you're able to elevate yourself so he should restore um i for thy you prophet pondering now devise that thou mayest follow me and i thy guide so i for your prophet pondering now devise i'll let you follow me So yeah, Don Virgil's telling him that from his prophet um, for his for his benefit he'll he'll allow him to follow him, allow Dante to follow Virgil. Virgil he'll be his guide. I will lead thee hence through an eternal space, where thou shalt hear despairing shrieks and see spirits of old tormented who invoke a second death. So here he's telling him already, like, I'm gonna lead you down to hell, inferno. He's giving him kind of a foreshadowing what he's gonna do. And those next view who dwell content in fire, for that they hope to come, whenever the time may be, among the blessed into whose regions, if thou then desire to ascend. So they have they invoke a second death, and those people he's gonna see soon who dwell in the fire, in the inferno, in that passion. That's what people usually associate passion with this burning fire. So it's like these people are living in passion, living in. And not like the good passion, living in like your beastly passion impulses and they're burning this fire and this, you know, sin. And it's interesting, he says content. So it means like they're okay with living in that and possibly they don't know any better. But then he says for that they hope to come, whatever the time may be, among the blessed. So they hope that they can eventually... Which will that they hope to come, whatever the time may be among the blessed, and to whose regions if you then desire to ascend. A spirit so here it's given a more foreshadow, a spirit worthier than I must lead you, in whose charge when I depart thou shalt be left. So he's saying that these people, they're hoping that they can eventually become one of the blessed and get out of hell. And then if it's up to Dante, if he desires to get out of hell, if he doesn't want to be content with the fire, which many are, get trapped in the, under, the underworld, they get trapped in the passions, get trapped in their sins, they get trapped by these beasts, and they get content just being in, immoral, let's say. But if he decides he wants to ascend, then Virgil's saying, I can't lead you because I can't even get there. So he, this is when, if you're familiar with the story, Beatrice becomes his guide. So she, that spirit's worthier than him to lead. So he's like i'm gonna pass you off and she's gonna lead you whose charge i when i depart thou shalt be left you should be left for that almighty king who reigns above this is i think an allegory to jesus and this is interesting too because beatrice is kind of is a symbol for also sophia and if you know sophia sophia is it is wisdom so she's spiritual and divine wisdom who leads him through paradise while virgil is representing earthly wisdom so there's a difference earthly wisdom is great but it's not on the same level as spiritual wisdom as divine wisdom and that's beatrice so she'll lead them after so he's going let's go back to this so whose regions if you then desire to ascend a spirit worthier than i must lead thee in whose charge when i depart thou shalt be left for that almighty king who reigns above thank god once again a rebel to his law adjudges me And therefore hath decreed that to his city, none shall, none through me should come. He in all parts hath sway, their rules, their holds, his citadel and throne. O happy those whom there he chooses, I too in him. Barred by that God, whom thou did ad- not adore, I do beseech thee, that this ill and worse I may escape, to lead me, where thou settest, that I, St. Peter's gate, may view, and those who, as thou tellest, are in such dismal plight, onward he moved, I close his steps pursued. So, let's just break it down before we end. That's the end of the canto, by the way. So, he's talking about God, He was a rebel to his law. He can't go through his city unless you go through Jesus, you know. And he's saying, happy to, and th- to those who he did choose to be there in heaven. He's barred, he's blocked by that God. Cause, because he didn't adore him. And he hopes that he'll be able to escape where he's at too, and maybe get to to paradise. I do him in a few, barred by that God whom thou did didst not adore. I do beseech thee. To lead me and where thou saidest that i saint peter's gate may view and so he's asking if i think this is dante speaking that he's asking that virgil lead him to purgatory which is saint peter's gate and he also wants them to help him to see those people who he t- tells him are in such a dismal plight which is inferno and so he started moving, he closes. So Dante's accepting. He's like, okay, that's fine. Like, thank you for telling me all this. I'm ready for this journey. Virgil's like, okay, let's do it, man. So they're going to head to hell first and then he's going to take him to purgatory. And Dante's ready for it. He needs a help. He wants a mentor. Virgil's his guide, the earthly wisdom to guide him through, to get to... Earthly wisdom leads to spiritual wisdom. So he needs to have an earthly wisdom, which is represented by Virgil. Spiritual guide, and it's going to lead them. Eventually, once you have attain obtain a certain level of earthly wisdom, you can then go to the next level, which is spiritual and divine wisdom, which is represented by Beatrice in this book. So it's interesting. I'll talk. I'll do two next podcast, but I hope you enjoy. I'm sorry if it's a little choppy. I'm still trying to figure. I don't want to break it down in a way that's very formal. I'm trying to keep it kind of free flowing. And just kind of having these thoughts pop up in my mind and allowing it to kind of be more, let's say, spiritual-esque in a way where it's just intuitive more so than trying to be intellectual about it and trying to break down and look up, because I think that kind of takes away from it. These stories, like, you can say the Bible but the Divine Comedy and things by like Carl Jung or the Odyssey, various things, they're kind of these spiritual journeys that these poets took themselves into their psyche, and if you read it in a way that If you read it and allow your intuition to guide you i think it has more of a transformational effect and i'm hoping that happens for me and i hope the same for you but thank you for listening my name is frank once again this is dante's divine comedy i'll be going through the entire divine comedy so it's going to be a long journey possibly longer than the way the journey dante took nonetheless thank you for listening have a great day bye